This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Janky. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story. Can magic cards get sunburned? Recent evidence suggests it may be possible. Wh- what? You know what? You have the same bulletin sheet I do! Uh, do, do you mean this planes story? Yeah, where people discovered their planes were sunburnt, so they started peeling them and saw how red they were underneath. Okay, firstly, we've talked about reading the whole story before you jump to a conclusion-based introduction. Secondly, that's not even close to what happened here. Well, why else would a magic card be peeling? A new Secret Lair announcement for Secret Lair X Mischief MSCHF went out, and with it, samples of the lair went to certain magic influencers. Amongst the cards for this lair was the bonus card of a basic planes with artwork featuring a golf course. Makes sense. They're very sunny, so there's the burn. As the people who received their promotional secret lairs opened them, they discovered an interesting detail. The planes was actually just a facade. When peeled off like a protective sticker on a new phone, the land is revealed to actually be a battlefield forge. But the people who opened it said it was way redder. That can't have just been about the mana it generates, right? No, though with this community's love of puns, I wouldn't have been shocked. Yes, Pot. They're a black kettle. Ahem. It instead refers to the art on the forge featuring a fiery red sky and the text, Golf sucks and has always sucked. Ah yes, the motto of the well-known Pyromancer Golf Resort out beyond Carroll Keep. Someone's having an excellent practical joke here. Surprisingly, it's completely real, and it seems like the peel hides a foil of the artwork. And here I thought you were just setting me up for an excellent comedy bit. Comedy bit? You know, jokes and silliness to make the show more interesting. We do those. Uh-huh. We we do those. Yes, we do. Anyway, that's an interesting piece of tech, although I did see a number of people speculating on potential tournament play problems if you don't realize you have one of these and use it as a planes. And there's another issue with the secret lair. All of the cards in it feature art that is a much further departure than previous lairs. And that even includes the universes beyond sets. Exactly. The art style is very reminiscent of many of the digital altar artists, like Megan aka Sheepwave or The Proxy Guy. And considering that those same artists have to be extra careful with their terminology, about which you can hear more in our interview with Sheepwave, it feels much like Wizards is simply slapping people in the face. Metaphorically, of course. Our next story is a different line of product discourse. As we've discussed in previous episodes, since the beginning of the pandemic, the way magic is played has undergone a drastic shift. 
programs like Cockatrice gained more players, and the rise of a webcam EDH gave people the closest feeling possible to that of actually playing with friends around the kitchen table. This shift in play would have been much more difficult, if not impossible, without one specific product, InfiniTokens. It's safe to say that dry erase token saving paper magic was not on anyone's list of expectations for last year, but then what has been? Not much that's come true, that's for sure. Well, as is inevitable in capitalist society, success invites imitation. Ultimate Guard announced that they will be releasing their own line of dry erase tokens, and the images of them are incredibly familiar. Familiar is certainly one word for it. Many community members have pointed out the similarities between the two products, including the borders of the tokens being almost identical, and the packaging even containing an infinity symbol. Despite Ultimate Guard's overall reach and structure, community support has been overwhelming for Infinite Tokens. Major Magic personalities Shivam Bhatt, The Professor, Pleasant Kenobi, and Logan aka Seraph Six are among the many who openly protested the idea of people buying the Ultimate Guard version instead of the original. Infinite Tokens has addressed the community thanking them for their overwhelming support during this time. They've also reached out to Ultimate Guard via the Twitter announcement for this new product, but Ultimate Guard has yet to respond to them. Or anyone, for that matter. The only comment on the post that has been responded to by the deckbox giant was them answering a question about how the tokens work. There has been no indication they're even aware other people have done this first, but that seems wildly unlikely by this point. As always, if there are any further updates, we'll be sure to share them. And we here at WNXS News strongly encourage you to support the original Infinitokens. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, Diz will break down the upcoming Secret Lair Secretversary Super Drop. Throughout the multiverse, there are legends and there are wonders. Some things that seem inexplicable are merely clever applications of magic. This show is not about those. This show is about the multiverse's true mysteries. The ones that no one has been able to explain until now. Through painstaking research, discussions with experts, and often life-threatening exploration, we have found the truth. Open your mind. Join us on this journey into the Mana Vortex. Coming soon to WNXS. Welcome back. On the weekly MTG stream held November 18th, Blake Rasmussen unveiled the products for the upcoming Secretversary Super Drop. There's a lot of products this go-round, so we'll go to Diz to hear all about them. Diz? Thank you, Kit. First on the selling block is Secret Layer X Arcane, which is a crossover layer with the recent smash hit on Netflix, Arcane. 
This layer will feature seven reprints of cards that follow the footsteps of the Godzilla and Dracula series cards, having alternate art and names based on the show. To avoid spoilers, we've only seen art on four of these cards so far, but we know what all seven will be. Rustic Study will be under the name Unstable Harmonics, Seize the Day will be round two, Crossing Grip will appear as Denting Blows, and Thrawn Dynamo is appearing as the Hex Core. The other three will be Duress, Path to Exile, and Counterflux. There's also a matching basic lens drop with one of each basic featured art based on locations from the show. Finally, another version of Rustic Study that isn't problematic. It's about darn time. Next up, welcome to Castle Dracula! These are three more cards of the alternate Dracula art style, starting with Exquisite Blood getting a much-needed new face as Hunger the Ancient One. We'll also see Knight's Whisper under the name Nightfitter's Visitation, and Phyresian Tower appearing as Dracula's Tomb. Much like the Arcane Lair, there's a matching basic land drop available with one Dracula-themed interpretation of each of the basics. Another set of cards that got bitten by... <clears throat> uh, what's next, Diz? Everyone's favorite homunculus is back in his own secret lair. Fibble Thip, completely, utterly, totally lost, contains five cards that together form a panorama on Ravnica in an art style akin to Where's Waldo. Fibble Thip is hiding somewhere on each of the five cards, and there are numerous obvious shoutouts to fan favorite parts of Ravnica in the art as well. Path to Exile, Well of Lost Dreams, Frantic Search, Intruder Alarm, and Shelldock Isle will be the five cards, each borderless, to better merge that artwork. That poor guy needs a GPS or a tracking chip, something. You'd think the Izzet would get around to inventing those. That is a play they cared enough about people to do it. And on that note, our next layer is Crocodile Jackson's Monstrous Menagerie. Five creatures will be showcased in Crocodile Jackson's unique art style, handpicked by the artist himself. These creatures are Ravenous Chupacabra, Pathbreaker Ibex, Teamer Sabretooth, and Winding Constrictor. The next layer is a bit out there. Well, more than a bit. Fire Out Man will have five spells with a somewhat trippy art style, including Aethergust, Counterspell, Fabricate, Factor Fiction, and Mystical Tutor. All of these are borderless and the art makes the most of it. There's one final basic land drop named PixelSnowlands.jpg. This layer features, as the name suggests, one of each basic snowland in a pixelated art style. Last, but not by any means last, a first ever for secret layers was made public. A full commander deck called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose will be available, with Zindersplut and Okan at the helm. This deck features double-sided artworks of Zindersplut, Okan, Propaganda, Stitch in Time, and Krark's Thumb. As listeners may have surmised, the theme of the deck is coin flipping. All these go on pre-order on November 29th and will be available until December 23rd. Jank. Thank you, Diz. And next up, we are returning to the brewery for another News Brews. This time, we're featuring Hobbs Q. Hobbs, thank you so much for joining us. I did not. I, I was under the impression this was a different kind of brewery when I was invited on the show. <laughs> Unfortunately, our standards are that I feel of, uh, tricked right now. <laughs> our standards are that of communicating with a 12-year-old niece and we can't take a 12-year-old niece to a brewery. So um, it's not it's not my fault you didn't do uh, due diligence, it, it, Hobbs. <laughs> that 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 feels like a very like American centric. Like when I was in the UK with my family in like these small villages, there definitely were little wee ones running around that place. Look, we already know that most countries are better than this one, so I we, talking about it here isn't going to help anything. <laughs> All right, um, oh, and this, you, yeah, you did so. manage to bring some magic decks with you, so 
the the key one you brought is your I guess we could call it your baby, your pet deck that's not your bolus deck. Um and it's your yes. famed yeah. Karkashima. The other deck that I most talk about. <laughs> yes. Karkashima. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who the generals are and about the meat and potatoes of the deck? Yeah, so it's kind of fun. This deck was a, in some ways an initial like a rebuild of one of my very first magic uh, commander decks. So um, my initial deck was Marike just because I didn't own nice cards, but my friends did and I could steal them. So uh, once I started getting some nicer cards and started playing commander a bit more, and now to be fair, we were talking like this is 2010 for this deck. I built a Niv-Mizzet deck that specifically was not meant to be around curiosity or like infinite effects. It was mainly just to flip a lot of coins, draw a lot of cards, and just kind of deal damage to people. And I put that deck away for a very long time. And then we got spoiled Quark the Thumbless and Sakashima of a thousand faces. Quark's Thumb was already one of the meat and potatoes of my original build of this deck around coin flips. Because if you're going to flip coins, you want to increase your chances or your, your odds a little bit. Um, so Quark and Sakashima. So if people don't know, Quark is thumbless uh, because he is a very bad gambler. Um <laughs> He may be considered to have a gambling problem. Wow. <laughs> 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 like the story behind him is he basically like wanted, he'd lost his thumbs and he wanted his lucky thumb back. And he basically went double or nothing with no thumbs and said, I'm good for it. And the person took him at his word. Right. <laughs> and that's when he just like discovered that Mirrodin had a core. He basically said Mirrodin has this like this core. He, he like, traveled through it he came back and then he was like a heretic and they killed him but the point being they took his bet so we don't know how many thumbs he actually has we just know <laughs> that the card version is him with none of them uh so this card came out in, in commander legends uh along with another version of sakashima and clones is always one of my favorite things clones that let you get around the legendary rule is even more fun. So if people haven't seen Kark's ability is whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you get to flip a coin. If you lose, the spell goes back to your hand. If you win, you get uh, to copy it and you could choose new targets. Well, Sakashima lets you come in as uh, basically a copy of any other creature you control, uh, except it has Sakashima's other abilities, which is the legend rule does not apply. So now... You could have multiple Karks, which means if you can get multiple copies of Kark out, you're flipping multiple coins. You can then stack it where if you win a coin flip and lose a coin flip, you'll still get the spell back and get the effect of it. And then obviously the more copies of Kark you have, the more coins you're flipping. You So like the goal is really, it's almost kind of like mini, it's a storm kind of deck. So what you're saying so, is you're a monster. Key cards... I am a monster. I like to flip coins and I like to just copy and cast spells. So, you know, I, I would say that the key cards, well, um, uh, elect Goblin Electromancer, I would say is part of the meat and potatoes brawl. Basically thinking, the, the idea here is you're trying to, to, to generate extra mana um, or to at least be able to make a lot of spells into either a storm spell or to something like using like thousand year storm, which is a really important like thing that you can build up where you're just basically trying to 
cast lots of spells in a turn and find a way to kill your opponents. Um, so ways that you can do that. Uh, Cerebral Vortex, one of my favorite effects. Target player draws two cards and then it deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards they've drawn that turn. Uh, this deck has a lot of wheel effects. Um, ideally, with Quark and getting enough mana, you could be theoretically just drawing large enough cards that you could then target your opponent with Cerebral Vortex and just cause them to lose the game. And then if you copy Cerebral Vortex, you can choose other opponents. Um, so, you know, I think that, like, what we're looking for win con-wise, uh, another fun one, Fiery Gambit. So this is the card that really, to me, like, what led me to want a coin flip deck. Uh, basically, it's flip a coin until you lose or you choose to stop. If you lose a flip at all, it does nothing. If you win one or more, so if you win one flip, it deals three damage to a creature. If you win two or more, it deals six damage to each opponent. If you win three or more, you draw nine cards and untap all the land you control. So well. it's really good. And if you make multiple <laughs> copies of it, it's really, it can get out of hand, some might say. <laughs> Not out of thumbs, out of hand. Uh, well, it, that's how it gets out of hand. There's no thumbs to really clinch the fist. That's Thank you. Thank you. This is why I come back on the show. Um, other meat and potato cards, like the main things, Kark's Thumb. And that's, like I said, that was the original card that, that existed long before we actually had Kark. It's got great flavor text by my buddy Slobad. I can think of one goblin it ain't lucky for. <laughs> Which, it's just, it's amazing when we had no other lore yet on Kark. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is actually the only deck I also play Mana Crypt in. Like, it just, it's on theme. It's very much on theme. It is very on theme, that's so. true. So, uh, what would some of the veggies that get you to, to where you want to be with this deck be? Uh, frantic Search. So, Frantic Search is... Frantic Search actually can can theoretically get you to a situation where you can draw your entire li library um, while generating mana. Uh, th this is because if people don't know, Frantic Search is draw two cards and then choose and discard two cards, untap up to three lands. So with that ability with Quark, if you're able to basically, you know, depending on how you're setting it up, if you're winning a copy, losing a copy, you're basically just casting free Frantic Searches. Um, so doing that kind of over and over again. Um, time Spiral. <laughs> I mean, so like this deck is something that I built a long time ago. So like that's one of those like awkward, like, yeah, this is a great card. Don't buy it. Same with Wheel of Fortune. Um, I mean, these are the the mana efficient versions of being able to kind of draw lots of cards. Well, that makes complete sense. Um, we've seen that you have some pretty bonkers things going on in the deck. But what's the what's the real spice or the real sweetness that that makes it a Hobbs deck besides the fact that it's just a monster deck and you're a monster? Um, so uh, ignite memories, which is from Time Spiral and is one of my favorite ever storm cards because it costs five mana, which is a lot. Um, it, and it's like one of those five mana that like it really doesn't necessarily win you the game, and you can you could like flat out get into a situation where it doesn't win. But I just want to cast it. 
because what it does is target player reveals a card at random from their hand and ignite memories deals damage to that player equal that card's converted mana cost so you know well. storm count high enough you're filling people's hands with fork i mean with a like wheel effects that's pretty awesome um so another one would be a rule zero card goblin bookie <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Goblin Bookie is from uh, the original Unglued. It is one red. It has an activated ability of red. Reflip any coin or re-roll any die. So most people I play with are pretty cool with this card. It's kind of funny. This is one of those cards, especially now that die rolling came into a non-silver bordered world, could be reprinted. Um I don't think we ever get it at this cost of red in a oh, red God, activation, no. but <laughs> um, the last honestly is, you know, people don't like, so like if we're, if we're on theme with coin flipping, people don't like extra turn spells, but stitch in time costs three mana. <laughs> so like the layers to this are, are funny. So you flip a coin if you win the flip, take an extra turn after this one. Well, you first have to win the Kark one to get a copy of it. Then you have to <laughs> win a coin flip for the card itself. Like, obviously, Kark's thumb greatly increases your odds. More copies of Kark greatly increase your odds. But this is one that can literally do nothing or can just straight up just take infinite turns i mean if you if you get to the point where you get one or two extra turns out of it and you have a way to make sure that you're like not winning every coin flip or you're hoping to not win every coin flip uh you'll get it back right so then the next turn you just keep banking turns (laughs) like yeah it's kind of ridiculous because it's three mana to take an extra turn potentially but i i mean like i've even seen that in more of the cedh builds do run like that as kind of a line or it can have that as a line so makes sense all right so notoriously you have a second version of this an alternate version if you will um but where does it differ from the version you just told us about what are the what are the key swap outs or key strategy changes so it's so so Karkashima actually is a CEDH deck. Um, while I don't fully have kind of like the Underworld Breach, Lion's Eye Diamond uh, kind of lines that those decks do have, and I don't have kind of I, I don't have everything, even in my my other build. But it is meant to be strong, and I I have played it in pods of CEDH, where because everybody is kind of interacting with each other, you do have the potential to win. Um, so the main things that come in is just a lot of like the free counter spells. I mean, I think that's kind of like the hallmark of it. So, um, and also uh, ones to kind of like change targets. So deflecting SWAT, those ones that if you control your commander, because it's a lot easier to control your commander. So like fierce guardianship and deflecting SWAT are really, really good in this deck. Um mm-hmm. Partly because if you control your commander, you can cast those for free. So no matter what you're, gonna it doesn't matter if you have multiple carts out or a way to win your coin flip you just keep casting them because they come back to your hand if you somehow lose your flip um so the fact is you just like you're you you're, you know that that card is going to be 
like it's going to resolve, which is just a wild thing, right? Like you're like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Your downside is you could lose your coin flip, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The spell is free. Um, you know, right. it's the same thing with, uh, yeah, like you obviously wouldn't be wanting to do this too much with like force of will because you're exiling blue cards, but oh, I mean, God, no. <laughs> like you would be getting them back. Uh, the other things, Jessica's will is really, that card is just, that card's ridiculous. Um, that card, so I, I played in a, for one of the charity events, I played in a four-person Karkashima pod. <laughs> and I think every single game was basically decided by a Jessica's will. So, it, so if you control your commander, you cast it, you can choose both of these abilities. So for three mana, add one red for each card in an opponent's hand exile the top three cards of your library you may play them this turn um it's very easy to see how this could end up with you being able to play your entire library so you cast it you know usually the goal is to get out a quick kark get a quick copy of kark at least one it basically keeping up some kind of interaction with the rest of the table cast jessica's will if you can get it through Odds are you're going to get multiple copies of it and also be exiling the top three cards of your library with the ability to play them that turn. It, it, it really like this card is broken. I, I, I was like, I remember throwing it in because I had one. And then all of a sudden I played like one or two games and was like, Oh wow. Okay. That is really, really good. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just beyond kind of uh, fair magic. Uh, I was for a long time, so prior to bans, whole breacher, narset, um, kind of effects. So I still people would still play these with wheels or wheel effects because it's just ways to refill your hand. So I still had kind of the package where you drop whole breacher or narset and then wheel the table. Well, I'm but glad I, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I can still do narset. That's true, but you but you can't whole breacher. And that's the important part. No, no. I did on a charity event play this deck, uh, the other, the second build of it um, on a stream. And I, I turned three whole breacher. Well, I end of turn three on somebody's turn, a whole breacher untapped in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I willed. That, that's what happened. Nobody had cards. Yes. All right. Well, um, that's uh, just about all the time we have. So if you could just give our listeners a quick reminder of where to find you. Yeah, so um, I can normally be found not being a jerk with magic cards um, at the <laughs> Goblin Lore podcast, which is mainly a, a podcast on mental health and um, magic lore. Uh, it's really about the gathering and about kind of real world tie-ins to this game that we play. And I just laugh because I've had people tell me after playing certain games with me that, I, I am very different in playing than I might come across sometimes in uh, what I talk about when it comes to being online. All right. All right. And the uh, link to the primary list will be in the show notes. Hops, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, I'm always glad to be back. And now we're going to take another break. But when we return, we'll talk about the latest disappointment for Magic players and have a reminder for upcoming events. Hi, 
JT here on behalf of MTTNexus.com. Are you looking for a site to talk about the latest magic news? Find new brews to take your decks to the next level. Talk about the latest topics? Ask people's advice? Listen to great interviews? Or just hang out? Have I got the website for you? MTGNexus.com has all this and more. You can even see us go head-to-head at twitch.tv slash mtgnexus and talk to us about the game. mtgnexus.com. I'll see you there. Welcome back. Our next story... Wizards of the Coast gave us more details about the upcoming Innistrad double feature draft set. Which on Innistrad is likely to be a creature feature. And it's at the late night double feature picture show? No, that was science fiction. Wait a minute, you've seen that movie? Once. It was very odd. Remember your earlier comment about pots and kettles? What about it? Nothing, never mind. When initially announced, Magic players got the impression it would be a carefully curated set of cards from the Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt sets. But when the full list of cards available in Double Feature was announced, it was apparent that most of the cards from both sets were in it. This caused a collective, aww, from the community, especially as the artwork on the cards will basically feature the same images from the set. Well, there is one notable difference. The showcase card artwork, which uses the same pictures in their base forms, will just be black and white instead of colored. Not even fun monster movie black and white art, but the original artwork in black and white. This has led to some complaints regarding potential vision problems with these cards. Players with visual impairments have expressed concerns over the color grading, noting that the text, mana symbols, and artwork all fit into one another and lose details making the cards harder to read. The most difficult cards for this are the white and artifact cards, as those are already color graded to be lighter. Since it is just the showcase cards, hopefully the set will still be playable for those with vision impairments. Our next story. The first weekend in December hosts more than one event, so we'll go to ISO for a breakdown and reminder. ISO? Thank you, Kit, and what a weekend it will be. For fans of events at your LGS, the store championship is coming back that weekend. In addition, the next Arena Open will take place, where players will compete against one another in Crimson Vow Draft for in-game gems and real-world money. However, one event that hasn't been promoted as much as we'd expect for that weekend is the Innistrad Championship. Day 1 will be three rounds of traditional Historic Constructed, followed by four rounds of Standard Constructed. Day 2 is four rounds of each format, then a cut to the top eight for Day 3. The top eight will battle it out with the now familiar double elimination bracket. The rounds up to the finals will be best two or three games, but the championship will be best two or three matches. All matches in the top eight bracket will be historic constructed. Kit. Thank you, ISO. 
Our last story is the follow-up to the last episode's Desert Bus for Hope wrapped up on November 19th after 165 hours of passing control of a right-swerving bus around amongst themselves. Numerous giveaways and auctions took place, giving rise to enormous donations. A 3D-printed replica of the M8 Avenger from the Mass Effect franchise was auctioned off at $20,000, and a raffle giveaway for a full-size replica of Cloud's Buster Sword from Final Fantasy VII raised over $110,000 in donations. All this led to the Desert Bus crew smashing all previous records. The highest total donation amount for one year until now was $1,052,902.42. This year, the final one-week total was $1,188,393, which brought the lifetime total to $8,307,461.58 in donations to the Child's Play charity. We send our heartfelt congratulations to the entire crew and hope they get some good rest after such a busy week. That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.